1: I want to go, Kev. I'm like a racehorse, man. I want to go. Come on, come on, come on. I'm in the hack. I'm in the hack. <laughs> Jungle Jim Jerome coming at you with a special edition, one of many special edition shows we do on Inside Curling. Is that because I'm on the show, Kev, that it's special? Is that right? Kev? You are special. There is no <laughs> question about that. You are unique. Yeah, unique's a better word. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: you're busy. Warren's busy. I'm busy too. Uh, we'd like to acknowledge our four great sponsors who bring you Inside Curling, Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Line, and Nestle Boost. So, here's what's on the show today. We've got an interesting email from our mailbag segment. And uh, Kevin, you recorded an interview with Reed Carruthers and Jason Gunlinson, and that's our in the house segment brought to you by Goldline. Goldline curling equipment can be found in pro shops and curling stores all around the world, plus their retail stores in Calgary, London, Scarborough, Mississauga, and they've got two stores in Ottawa. Goldline can be found at every Grand Slam of curling event and online anytime. Goldline curling. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
3: Well, Reed Carruthers, Jason Gunlickson, hey, thanks a lot, you guys, for stopping in this morning. Well, first of all, I guess uh, congratulations on the big win out in Fredericton uh, earlier on this season. I guess, Reed first, how's that help you, I guess, when you're looking at the quadrennial, but even just a start for your team?
4: Yeah, just a huge confidence booster for our team especially, uh, you know, and we beat some of the best teams in Canada and the world. Yeah, it's been a great start to the year, and we're just having lots of fun. We're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Jason, I just I just walked in. I haven't seen you
3: yet this year. I just ran into you in the hallway before you came in. You look great. What's what's going on? No,
5: thanks, Kev. Um, <laughs> well, no, it, no, seriously, it, it, like it's it's, <laughs> it's great to see. It just uh it's a lot of work. It was nice to you know with with the end of the trials process last year, like kind of got a little bit of warning that you know things might be changing and he was going to be embracing a new position and and you know wanting to to you know try and be. At least not a negative sweeper, if possibly a plus sweeper, but uh, at least not a negative sweeper for the boys because <laughs> I know how frustrating that can be, trying to work and be there. And, you know, have, having great teammates like Connors, I mean, he's not the, the tallest fellow, but one of the strongest guys on tour. So, you know, following his lead and just working as hard as I could this summer.
3: The fitness, your regiment, I guess. Let's, let's first talk about what you have done this summer in that regard. A lot of people would like to, to hear that, to be able to get ready for sweeping, is there certain exercises, certain things that you do to prepare your body, I guess, for what's happening with all the sweeping that's going to happen this fall?
5: Yeah, and we started out, the first event we played was 10 games, so thankfully we did something. We work with a, a really great trainer in Winnipeg, and we're, again, fortunate to be, you know, where we are, situated. Adrian Honish with Effectus Fitness has trained curlers. Don McEwen's a great example, but, you know. Shannon Burchard. Shannon Burchard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a bunch of curlers going, which is twofold. One, it helps the trainer get more knowledge about the sport, which curling, you know, is isn't, you know, your hockey or, or your football, right? So they're not used to it a little bit. So that's been great. But also you've got a great group of people. For me, looking at a guy like BJ Newfeld, who's been one of the best thirds out here for years, you know, going to the same trainer, knowing you're preparing yourself in the right way really helps.
3: When you have a new team get together and how big I guess would it be to set up goals?
4: Yeah, no, it's very important. And that was one of the things that we did in the off season with our coach Rob Meakin you know, setting a plan for the year uh, and then also for the quadrennial. We have very specific goals even for this year that we're hoping to achieve. And can you lighten us in in some
3: of the goals that your team did set up? It's just for for young teams that do set up, they move to different cities because of school or whatever and they have to set up new teams. I guess when they get to this stage and they try to get this team together, well, what's next? So how, how do they organize themselves so that they can be as successful as possible. I guess that's a better yeah, way of I putting think, it. Really. I
4: think it needs to be uh specific and obviously attainable goals for each team. You know, so our our situation versus like a young team that's, uh you know, getting into the sport might be a little bit different, but as an example for our team, our goal is to be like a top four or five CTRS team at the end of this year. So, so that's, you know, something that I think is very attainable for us if we play well, if I'm working with like a young junior team, you know, might just even qualifying for the men's provincials or women's provincials. You know, so it changes, changes on who it, who that team is.
3: Yeah, you're wanting to be high up in the ranking. I'm I'm sure you guys will be there. So especially the way you started out this year, that's for sure. Schedule your team schedule. New team, but it is the first year of a quadrennial. Do you play a lot of events this year? Do you maybe? take a little easier approach? How are you guys? Uh,
4: I, I would say moderately aggressive. You know, there's teams that are definitely playing more. Moderately
3: aggressive. Yeah. That's, that's there this. Yeah,
4: team. I would, well, there's, there's teams that play more, but also I think we're playing a little bit more than average. Uh, but I think like one of the big things for me for putting this team together is having four guys that live in Manitoba and we're able to practice at a, you know, a very consistent basis and often. Um, so for us, practice is going to be very important for us in this first year of the quadrennial.
3: Hey Jason, I'd like to ask you just uh, for for a 2nd year not sitting beside Reed. Um, what what does he bring to the team? Because well, you've skipped a lot over the years, and now deciding to partner up. You guys are both the same age ish.
5: Almost exact same birth year. Yeah, no. Very so you place.
3: know each other very very well. And so what's what's Reed bring to the table?
5: Uh, he brings a lot of things. I mean, I think one of the things that I saw that maybe isn't like the obvious, you know, making the big shots, winning the big championships, that sort of thing. He's just, he's a great team leader. He does, he does a really good job of directing the ship, but also keeping everybody moving in the right direction. And when people need a little bit of support, he's there to give it to them. But when people need a kick in the butt, he's there to give it to them kind of thing. And just a great team leader, organizes a ton of stuff. We, I do have to shout out that Connor also does a lot of things off the ice as well. Reed, just a great team leader, sets us up well. And, you know, I feel like free to just kind of compete and, and do my my best, you know, on the ice and it's been a lot of fun so far.
3: So you talked about Connor a couple of times negative uh, at lead, but uh, you've got, of course, Derek Samagolski, uh, who's probably one of the best sweepers in the game today. The importance of a strong front end read and especially the yeah. two you've got. because well, yeah. They haven't played together. I don't think
4: much before Connor and, and, and Derek. Uh, No, they haven't. They haven't. And like, I had not played with Connor, but with Jason, you know, I had three years with him, but with that front end, you know, intern or outturn doesn't really matter. They're very strong sweepers and we've been working hard, you know, even doing some sweep testing uh, in the off season to prepare ourselves for the start of this year. And I think it's helped. Let's switch over a little bit to Manitoba curling right now, because
3: uh, there's your team, there's Dunstone's team vying for that province and... I see maybe a bit of a an issue going forward, not just in Mantle, but other provinces as well, where I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on the importance of making sure the top, well, to your point, you're trying to get to the top three, four, five in the, in the CTRS. Okay, well, I imagine Dunstone will be there, mm-hmm. Alberta, Botcher will be there, Kuyo will be there.
4: How do we make the national championship to make sure that the top five or six are in it? Or is that important? I think it's important and I think in most sports the in a national championship you see the top teams in it at least have the opportunity to be there so for us yeah I'd like to see the wild cards continue moving forward you know if you want to treat it like a true national championship and not as much about the borders I think the top teams should be there. Okay so what are you thinking for a total number of teams? Well they could do something similar to what they've done in the last couple years with the three wild card teams uh, quote unquote you know that would probably just looking at it you know now out of the gate it kind of looks like that would give the opportunity for some of the top teams not just in the men's like where you look at the women's teams and even in manitoba and some of the other provinces <laughs>
1: manitoba, yeah, yeah it's
4: it's silly uh you know and Carrie and the girls are team canada but you know if, if another province wins and you throw Carrie back into that mix next year uh in Manitoba. Eventually she's not she to not yeah. no twenty. Well we'll in a see. Roll. We'll see, Kevin. Yeah.
5: Maybe but a coach. Yeah. that's a confident yeah. coach. I
4: might be biased. I'm biased a little bit. Yeah.
1: It's all about the coach. Yeah.
5: yeah.
4: Yeah, but it's yeah, like it's tough. And with the way it's set up now, you know, they're not really talking about uh, how many teams are gonna be in the Briar and Scotties this year. So we'll find out. I I want to talk about the Olympic trials because we just got off the Olympics and uh there was lots of discussion, lots
3: of emails and stuff into inside curling about the timing of the trials to give our Canadian representatives the absolute best chance to do well. Don't need to say win anymore. get on the podium do well. What do you think Jason? Uh, I, th- I would imagine you thought about this a fair amount.
5: You would know better than, better than most, kev, but like I, I don't think that our system is that part of it's that weird or like I'm not sure what benefit we're getting by having it earlier. You get a little bit more time to prepare, but like, I don't know, it's not like our team candidates have been doing super dominant. Like, I'm not sure that helps teams, like unless it's way before. And if we do, I think my concern would be it really hurts development because you already have this like half year to one year dead time if you're not the trials team. And, you know, it becomes two years, year and a half. It starts to, you know, we already are losing way too many people as they come up through the ranks and that would just further exasperate the problem. So I, I do have some concerns about changing it too drastically. Okay. I, I wanted to hear that. Read your your thoughts on the timing of the trials. Yeah.
4: Is, like if anything, maybe give a few more weeks to the trials winner. So, you know, if you're able to have the trials maybe a little bit sooner rather than last weekend of November, maybe the start of November. Could even look at having the pre-trials, quote unquote, say, maybe be at the end of the previous year. And then you have anywhere from six to 10 teams, however many teams are playing in the trials that, have that chance uh, and know they have the realistic chance of going to the Olympics. That would be something that I would suggest, but one man's opinion.
3: Yeah, but I think it's an important opinion. The, you know, there's a lot of talk about timing of that event because you, I, I really do think if you're not done till early in December sometime and you have the Christmas break, you've got to have your all your family and entourage organized to fly yeah. to wherever the Olympics is by. You know, middle of January. Yeah. like, holy cow, that's not very much time. Anyway, you just came off a big win at the points bet in Fredericton. Something that was an unusual rule was no extra ends Mm -hmm. and a draw to the button. And one thing I didn't add yesterday was that the team that would have had hammer in the traditional game got to choose the turn. And the other team had no choice but to play the other turn. Uh, Your thoughts on finishing game that way? Because there's definitely some pluses. From the broadcast streaming, knowing when the game's going to end, uh, scenario with in, in regards to timing. But what do you think?
4: Yeah, I, like I thought for that tournament alone, like it was it was a fun thing to try out. Uh, would I want to do that in a Briar final? No, I I don't think so. But from a standpoint of strategy, it it sure got our brains thinking. It ends like seven, eight, nine, you know, because it you you take a different approach if you know you're two up coming home without. It's a pretty good spot to be in. Or even being up one, playing the uh, the ninth end without, or with the hammer, you know, giving the steal is not a big deal. So it, it changes a little bit of your thought process. One thing I'd like to ask you about in regards to that. So you're two down with hammer coming home.
5: A pretty
3: good chance of getting a two. Mm-hmm. And the other team's not going to worry too much about giving you two. They don't want to give you three. Mm-hmm. So that probably uh, happens a lot. Knowing going into the 10th into the end, all right, I'll draw, out turn, whatever, for two but you're not going to get to throw the turn draw likely mm-hmm. because the other team would have hammer. They can make you go to the intern. Is there a chance during that end or the end before to make sure that in nine, you play the 10th end intern or the ninth end out turn to make darn sure that yeah. side is keen. And mm-hmm. then that way, when you play your outturn to tie the game, you know that intern spot.
4: That's a... Uh a smart way to look at it and I think the one thing that I'd like to see changed if we are doing that format moving forward is just to have both teams just like we do in the draw the button throw on each side have two throwers and just take your combined total and I think that rather
3: would, than just one throw,
4: rather than just one throw, I think there's going to be a lot less whining and complaining about the side that you're on. So the team that goes, will have the choice of going first or second. And I think that that also sometimes, you know, has an influence on the winner. One thing that I
3: did get excited about uh, during the Fredericton event was the teams wearing their regular uniforms. Thoughts on that, a Curling Canada sanctioned event where you're actually wearing your your normal uniforms. And maybe, Jason, the, uh, the chance that that may come into regular and uh, Briar playdowns, Scotty's, and so on. Not, not Worlds, obviously. You have to wear the Canadian uniform. And Olympics, of course. But everything else, can you see where the uniform you're wearing right now could be your uniform for the entire year, every game you play, unless you go to the Worlds or Olympic Games?
5: That's more Reed's, Reeds Avenue than mine as far as answering that. But like, I, I think in general, it's great any time we get to play in our normal uniforms. I mean, especially for our team, our sponsors are very supportive and, and allow us to do this. So the fact that we got to, you know, any extra time and especially for us, we got some good TV time there that weekend was great for us. And the more the better.
3: Reid, what do you think? Is there a chance we could make that? Uh, and then, you know yeah. what? I want to add one more thing too, because you're wearing blue and there could be other teams that are wearing blue, a home and away,
4: making sure you have a light uniform and a dark uniform so that when yeah, you go to play somebody. That, well, that would be, that'd be great as well. I just think the bare minimum, the Briar and Scotties, if we're able to do what we are allowed at the Worlds, which is where, you know, one or two sponsor logos, I think that would be great. That'd be a good start because at the Briar, we don't. So uh, Of any kind. Yeah. Right yeah so like i think that would be a great start for us you know at least princess auto is our major brand if we could have that at the prior, that'd be great
3: well thank you very much you guys for taking the time really appreciate it and good luck this you have already had a great year but keep it going
4: yeah thanks very much kevin
5: thanks kevin
1: Good job, Kev. Once again, you're getting really good at that, Kevin. You really are. It's uh, it's impressive. Uh, Warren, what are your thoughts when you hear that interview?
2: Well, I pulled a couple of things out of it. I thought it was uh, rather interesting that uh, both the guys thought that the four players living in Manitoba, living close together, had been a benefit to their team this year, and is one of the reasons they were seeing the success they have so far. I thought also, particularly, Reed thought that the Briar had to somehow figure out how they were going to get the top five teams in Canada in the event. Uh, he thought the wildcard uh, approach was maybe the way to go, but I think thought that whatever Curling Canada could do to get sh- make sure all top five teams are in there would be great because, of course, two of the top five teams are in Manitoba. They also like the idea of, in the future, of a home-and-away uniform, and uh, certainly, again, they mentioned that having a couple of sponsor positions on a uniform at the Briar would help a lot. If Kev,
1: you've never had much to say about sponsorship, <laughs> <laughs> exactly cresting, you know that, yeah. yeah. What do you think, Kevin? First thing I wanted to say was the,
3: I hadn't seen Jason Gunnickson um, this this winter until I, I ran into him going into this interview. His he completely transformed his body. The, the oh. fitness level of, of of Gunner right now is unbelievable. You know, in, in just a few months, I, you know, I, I'd seen him, and then just a few months later, you see him and doesn't even look the same. So, big congratulations to Gunner on uh, on just the amount of work that he's put in uh, in the in the end of fitness. And guess what? All of a sudden, they come out and start the year winning gee, well, maybe those two things match up really nice. Mm-hmm. You, know, you come in, fit as a fiddle and ready to go, and, and all of a sudden you start winning. But to the home and away uniforms, I, I, I think that's really important going forward. A lot of times now, our, our, the athletes in curling, they have terrific uniforms, lots of logos, very professional, but a black-red plays a black-red in the final. Well, I think we need to have lights and darks so that when teams are playing each other, you don't come out in nearly the same because it's being either televised or streamed and it's important for the look of our sport. No different than hockey. You know, everybody's got dark uniforms and light and you just make sure that, uh, if you, if your are lights, the other team's dark. It's very simple. Right. Um, but that's, I think that's quite important and it's something that's overlooked. Obviously I think most events in the world, the athletes should wear their corporate uniforms, maybe not worlds when you're, you know, wearing the flag and maybe not the Olympic Games, but other events. When you're trying to qualify for things, and I see no problem with with teams wearing their corporate, their team-branded uniforms. Teams work so hard to, to build their brand, and then all of a sudden you go in another event and you have to wear a, a, some other color. And then you go in another event and you're wearing something else and other events are blocked so you can't wear your title sponsor and there's all kinds of issues with that that you know we battled with 20 years ago and there's still a problem today and curlers like uh reed Carruthers are bringing
1: it up it's it's still a problem and it needs to be dealt with it's not from a spectator point of view though right that you need different colors i mean i know who's well if you're both wearing black red jim uh who's who what
3: team is what one team's black red and one team is White, red. If your corporate, you know, your okay. your title corporate is red, then you know, you can definitely distinguish it too easily.
1: Well, the rocks are different colors. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jim. That's oh, for my benefit. Jim. You know, those yeah. guys are yellow. The other guys, are perfect. <laughs> I don't think I can answer anything to do with that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again to Reading, Jason. Uh, great job, Kevin, for lining that up as you always do. We appreciate that. Uh, Time to get to our mailbag segment uh, brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. We get a lot of emails. Uh, Greg Wolf has been getting a hold of us and sending stuff about the USA. And here's another one with some interesting thoughts as it pertains to USA curling. Warren, as you point out, you could substitute any other association in Canada, Curl Canada, Curling Ontario, or any other federation, that charges dues and represents the clubs. Greg says, I recently sat down with a board member from one of my clubs and we discussed some of this. Wouldn't it be nice, for instance, if a board member had someone to speak with from the USCA or even if the organization had an email list service about the various software programs being pushed for club management? Wouldn't it be nice if the USCA posted all sorts of bonds, field draw, lists, schedules, et cetera? I presume all of this isn't unique to the USA and the everyday curler would welcome this discussion. Associations could be doing so many things to help clubs that no one seems to ever consider or care about.
2: That's well, pretty heavy there. Warren, what do you say? I agree fully with Greg. I think there's so many things that could be happening by in Canada Provincial Associations in coordination with Curling Canada They would provide so many things to to curling clubs. We've talked about on this show many times, the energy situation as far as discussions on that whole aspect and various software programs that could be developed that could be consistent across the board, whether it's how to operate a bond spiel or whatever the case may be. I know there is communication between the clubs and the provincial and national body, but I think it needs to be better organized. It needs to be pulled together more. It needs to be uh, created so that people are more aware of it and the fact I think this is a whole area that needs to be improved drastically and both in both Canada, USA, don't know about the rest of the world, but certainly in those two areas, the whole involvement of curling clubs and services provided to them, I think needs to be upgraded.
3: Well, that is one thing that when I go to clubs, and it doesn't matter if it's in Western Canada, Eastern Canada, uh, overseas, <laughs> US, uh, doing the draws, making bond spiel draws, it's put on somebody. And uh, I was talking to the draw master uh, in Frogtown in the States, Frogtown Curling Club, and various clubs. And it's just, uh, it's, it's not easy. A curling draw is kind of unique depending on how many events you want to have, be it A event, B event, C event, or if you want to have an eight qualifier, and how many sheets you're dealing with. So back when I was doing the Junior Bond Spiel, we always had uh, 16 sheets, the Savile 10 sheets, and then the six sheets at Jasper Place uh, Curling Club not too far away. So we had 78 teams on six sheets and two events, a recreational event and a competitive event. And we didn't know if it was going to be broken up into 40 teams and 38 or whatever combination to make 78. It could be 39-39, and that that makes it tougher too. Now you're dealing with odd numbers. So if there could be a program that could work for, say, up to 24 sheets of ice, something like that, for X amount of teams over how many uh, events, uh, great. I would love to see it. It's quite complex, but you know this. There's got to be a genius kid kicking around who can do this program <laughs> so, and uh, and figure it out. I know for me, it was always fun. I love doing the draws, but I know for a lot of people, you walk into a draw and you look at it and it makes no sense. And you're going, ooh, somebody, you know, this is his first try or second try at at doing a confusing 38 team draw on seven
1: sheets of ice. Kind of tricky. If you can, if you can find a kid, Kev, who can figure out two different curling sites with 78 teams, Elon Musk will hire you right now, okay? I'll tell you, he's See, rolling Jim, right.
2: It sounds like something you could probably be quite yeah. good at. Maybe we should branch out and get you into being the inside curling drawmaster.
1: Sure. I'll tell you what, everyone just show up, at, show up at the Saville. You might be playing at 8, but it might be later on tonight at 11, okay? So you may have to wait. Yeah, just go to the
2: bar until I call you. All right, right.
1: <laughs> uh kevin uh thanks a lot man uh warren thank you very much uh for doing that we do it each and every week of course and we have uh, special shows as you know by now that we do from time to time thank you to all our sponsors sports interaction coyote tractor gold line and nestle boost for bringing you this edition of inside curling uh reminder email us insidecurling at gmail.com and uh, check out our facebook page and our facebook group there's lots going on there okay boys We'll talk to you next time on another show of Inside Curling. Take it easy, Hanson. We'll see you, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim.